0: hey i'm taylor dorson and this is the professional technical interviewee technical interviews are hard and every company does them differently on this show i interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates and then they perform a real technical interview with me my guest today is patrick miller we talk about his journey from
1: individual contributor to director of engineering and back, and what he looks for when he hires for engineers for his team.
0: I hope you enjoy. Uh, well, thanks so much, Patrick, for, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome. So excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess today is Patrick Miller, uh, currently a staff software engineer at Balto, previously engineering manager at Uptake in NCSA and then also an engineering director director of engineering at at Rocket Miles. Did I did I get
0: everything? Yeah, that's everything.
1: Cool. <laughs> can you share? So you recently joined Balto. So I know you're still in the kind of the, the early stages of um, your, your time there, but can you share just a little bit about the company and kind of what you do there?
0: Sure. Yeah. So the company is focused predominantly on uh, generating excellent conversations uh, with call centers. So um, think of, you know, all the places you've called uh, over time, you know, it could be a, a, something like uh, somebody trying to sell you something. Uh, it could be something like a credit agency calling you to collect the debt. Uh, but the idea is that those, those people on the other side of the call, like they, they almost always follow a script. Uh, and, and before Balto, uh, all of that data uh, for like a manager of that call center would, ha- would have to be manual, right? Like I would either have to listen to those calls or sit in on a call or whatever. Uh, what Balto provides is the ability for real-time conversation. So uh, you set up essentially a playbook. Uh, it presents a checklist of things that uh, the user or the, the um, person on the, on the phone Needs to go through in order to to sort of meet the criteria of what an excellent conversation in that organization would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as they you know go through these things, the checklist goes off, and there might be even deeper nested uh, conversations that they have to have. Um, but the the kind of glory with this whole thing is like there's that which is awesome. People don't forget. They they hit all the highlighted things. Uh, is the amount of data they get out of it. Right. Mm. So we have, uh, on the other side, we have, um, a web app that allows for reporting for leaderboards. Uh, so there's some gamification in there. Um, and like the ability for real-time coaching. So I can actually be on a call and then my manager can come into that call and coach me. He can, he can chat with me. He can see the transcription. He can, um, help me essentially. Uh, and, and that's sort of the idea behind Balto. Uh, what I do here is I uh, currently am staff software engineer, like you said, uh, working predominantly uh, in uh, making the front end better at Balto. Mm-hmm. Um, like most startups, you know like you got to move fast, you got to keep the lights on if you want to get paid. Balto is not an old company. It's only been around about five years. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that uh, they did was using old React, or um, you know, just trying to get stuff done, right? Features all the time. Uh, but I was brought in to sort of help them uh, to do, uh, you know, new React with with hooks and uh, set up, um, you know, standards and a component library and build a platform and and all these uh, really grand ideas. Uh, so predominantly, that's what I'm focused on right now. Um, yeah, it's it's been fantastic. I've been there for a month. And I, I really honestly, I know there's honeymoon period. And I get all that I've been around for a long time. Uh, this is one of the better places I've ever been in my career. So I'm super excited. Great people. I love the product. It's been awesome. Yeah, that's great. Especially if you're specifically brought in to help kind of
1: modernize some of this stuff. That's, you know, five years is old in the, the tech world, but not even that old, right? You know, at least they're not on jQuery, right? So right. Um, exactly. That, that's great. <laughs> Can you share a little bit about your pathway into technology? Because if I remember correctly, you don't come
0: from a traditional computer science background, right? That's true. That's true. So a uh, long time ago, uh was at MSU, Michigan State. I was in computer engineering for the first two years, uh, but they spun up a new program called Digital Media Art and Technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I pivoted out of computer engineering to go into that, to essentially learn how to make video games. Uh, So uh, a lot of the stuff that I was doing was graphics and game theory and game logic using uh, Flash at the time, and also Director, which I don't think even exists anymore. Uh, it's what you would like build shockwave, uh, games. If you remember these things. Um, so yeah, from there, you know, I graduated, uh, ended up working at a medical software company doing graphic design and, uh, like being their webmaster, uh, learned quite a bit and understood what I wanted to do. Got out of design, went into web technology and then sort of worked my way, uh, through, uh, seven years at Fox sports. Uh, where i was a senior software engineer and c sharp shop and dot net and all that stuff um so yeah i'm not traditional cs guy i didn't go to computer science i didn't build compilers uh and you know i would say overall i think things have been fine you learn a lot on the job and i you know learned a ton obviously in school and not like it wasn't worth it but um i guess maybe You don't necessarily have to be a four-year computer science degree with a master's and uh to to be successful um Mm -hmm. and i've really never run into uh, a ton of issues i mean there's always people around to help right it's a collaborative you know space so um yeah but not traditional cs and, and maybe that's somewhat unique um but yeah
1: yeah. And, and you mentioned that first job, um, you know, coming out without the traditional computer science, computer science background, did you have a different path to getting that first job or was it just, you know, applying everywhere and seeing what what sticks?
0: So yeah, out of college, it was applying everywhere to see what sticks, you know, when I was in college, uh, graduated college, I was like a manager at GameStop, you know, I was doing college work. Uh, and I really just wanted to to get somewhere where I was making more money and, Uh, doing what I thought uh, I would want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, totally just spam every single possible entry level position and have a few phone calls and hope that, that, you know, one of them sort of hits. And I I will say like, even now, 20 years later, with more experience, it's not all that different, to be honest with you. (laughs) Like, I don't spam, you know, I'm I'm much more selective. uh, But I think it is sort of interesting, you know, how it all sort of plays out in the end. Yeah. Well, I, what I realized when I was in recruiting was there's a lot of,
1: a lot of companies out there, right. And if you're not doing it every, if you're not sitting there every day, just looking at companies, right. It's just hard to know what's around, right. Even, you know, Balto probably your last couple of jobs until you, Talk to them or have a conversation with someone there. You don't really know. Like you might know the name if it's Chicago and it's you know a small enough area where you have some idea, but you probably don't know what they're actually doing, right? And that's kind of if you have the time, being able to kind of see, okay, well, let's talk to a lot of companies and see what's interesting and see what's not. Um, I think can certainly be helpful, right, when you're trying to to look for a new job. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you mentioned um, before we started a little bit about uh, uh, joining Balto, but, but it was kind of a referral. Someone you'd worked with in the past. That's how you, your pathway to them.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, former, my former boss at uptake reached out to me, uh, on a whim. Uh, you know, like we were talking earlier, uh, like the universe essentially just came together and he was like, very like, how are you doing? You know, I'm over here at Balto. I love it. I think you're going to be, I think you would love it too. provide a ton of value are you looking and like i just happened to be looking you know and and that's sort of how it worked out yeah there you go i think um pretty common trend from folks that are on the show
1: is just you know Network sounds like the, the wrong word, right? It feels like very transactional, but it, it's what it is, right? Network in the sense of like people you know who you enjoy working with, right? Or have yeah. worked with them in the past and had good experiences with, right? Like people you should keep in touch with because um, as your career grows, if you did a decent job and you know you weren't a jerk, more often than not, those are the same types of people you'll see over and over again, right?
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like don't burn bridges. I mean, it means quite a bit. Um, and even as big as Chicago is like that whole networking aspect is huge, right? Like, uh, Mike, who's my boss at, at Balto and was my boss over at Uptake, you know, like reached out to me, you know, I've been in leadership for, for eight years or so now there's people who I have in my Rolodex, uh, you know, the Rolodex which doesn't exist anymore, but like, you know, people who like, if I had a job opening that I was leading right now, like that I would reach out to and see, Hey, you know, like. And it's just like you said, right? You've already built that confidence. You already know they're capable of doing the job. Hopefully, they like working with you. Uh, and, and you know, like a lot of people love to like come and and feel comfortable, you know, right away. Like they they've built that rapport with their boss. They don't have to do that again. You know, like they they're probably going to get you know pretty decent projects to work on or or focus on uh, aspects of the business where they can provide value and. Um, yeah, I totally agree. You know, I think, you know, network does sound very transactional, but I think it's, it's an extremely important part of, of what we do. And then even outside of jobs, right. Even outside of finding the next job, like, you know, just questions, you know, finding people in your network that, that can help you tackle problems that, um, you know, maybe you can't talk to your boss about, or, (laughs) or don't feel comfortable talking to your boss about, or just whatever, right. A mentor. Um, those are really important things too. Um, and, a, and a good example of that is like you reached out to me when I was at NCSA, and you were like, "Hey, do you guys have a, like an apprenticeship program?" And I was mm-hmm. like, "Crap, no, we don't." And from that one conversation, I went off and talked to to the VP of Engineering and said, "We should start this. Like this this would be a great thing for people, uh, you know, coming out of college or boot camps uh, to come in and and help us get some stuff done and 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 learn. And who knows, maybe you find." four or five diamonds in the rough who who really enjoy working with you and and want to continue um you know providing value to your to your corporation so yeah i mean it's all like you know <clears throat> as much as like linkedin can be like just spam farm of hey you know i see you have you know ember experience or whatever and like i don't have any ember experience like these automated emails there is value in linkedin i think um and, and overall, just having, you know, those people that you trust, uh, kind of in your back pocket for, for when um, you can call on them. Yeah, absolutely. And my new
1: favorite LinkedIn thing right now is basically whenever I get an unsolicited message about, you know, whatever job, I just respond with a link to the podcast. So if you give this a like and a subscribe, then I have, I'll talk to you, right? And about 25% respond, maybe even less. Give it a like, but I'll take it, right? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I'll respond
1: to your unsolicited spam with my own, right? <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so so obviously, you know, it, um, just joining Balto, uh, you have been in interviews recently, right? So I, I'm excited to talk about that. Um, I think a lot of people that are, you know, more um, senior in their career or a lot of the folks that I've talked to that are in kind of engineering manager roles or director roles maybe aren't as as hands on still as well. So um, I'm just curious, I, it, you've been through interviews recently and, and kind of probably a mix of of like more engineering manager focused interviews, but also like hands-on interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole gamut. Yeah. Um, can you share just a little bit about that? I mean, um, I, I think that's maybe an interesting dynamic that a lot of and, and something that I think you and I, when we worked together in the past on the recruiting side, it was kind of interesting was you having that that dual interest, right? A lot of people go, oh, I'm a manager now, I don't really code that much, or maybe a little bit, or I'm only an engineer, I'm never going to manage people, right? And it seems like you have both of those skill sets, try And value either, either of those options, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Like, they're all different. Uh, and every, there's no standard. And I think that's, um, you know, and I don't think maybe there should be a standard. I don't know. Every organization is different in what they're looking for. But I will say, like, uh, there are some leadership positions where uh, coding was required. Uh, for example, Uh, one place that I interviewed at for a director level role, like I still had to sit down for four hours and take, uh, yeah, like the hacker rank type, uh, I forget exactly what it was called, but it's like one of those ones where you have like four problems you have to solve and you get like one hour per and like you're scored and all these tests and things like that. Right. So, so that happened versus, you know, like I interviewed at Mozilla and uh, it was purely like leadership and, you know, how, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to do uh, in terms of like a personal problem, you know, like somebody who, who had an issue or what's the hardest technical problem you had to solve or uh, what's the largest project you had to work on and, and things like that, right? Uh, and then, you know, obviously when you're doing like staff engineer or engineer type stuff, much more like code related, um, questions. Uh, I will say like in this past round, most things I felt were pretty fair, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, what my skills were and, and, like what they were looking for and what I was asked, uh, obviously in the past in, in interviewing, you know, 50 to hundred times at different places, uh, it's not always that way. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's different. It's a different dynamic, and then the sort of interesting thing is just how different every place is. You know, like you have like the 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 kind of pre-screen, like are you a human? You know, like with the HR person, and then you have like <clears throat> a technical phone screen. Sometimes, sometimes you don't. Sometimes they just go straight into the on person or in person. Uh, with COVID, it's especially more difficult, I feel, um, because I don't know, like, I'm a talker, I like, you know, being with people, <clears throat> like, and and you can't read body language, you can't, yeah, you can't be on a whiteboard, you know, like, that stuff's really important. Um, And it's really hard to sit in a zoom for four hours straight, you know, things like that. It's just um, different. It's very different now uh, than it was two years ago or so. So but yeah, definitely mm-hmm. different dynamics, depending on what you're looking for, and where you're at, um, yeah, I think
1: that's a good point of everything being so different, right? It's part of, part of the, the goal of this podcast is being able to give some insight into that is like, there's different things out there, but also just, um, people sharing their experience, right. Of being like, you know, I, I can bomb an interview on Tuesday and have an interview on Wednesday that goes really well, right. Cause for the same type of role, but they just interview so differently or the questions are just so different. It really, it's almost like they're interviewing four different things right mm-hmm. even if the role itself is going to be similar um how do you feel in the past you, you do in technical interviews and i'm sure it depends right depending on the type of interview but do you feel pretty confident when you're going into interviews or do you feel you know you still get nervous
0: that's a that's a great question you know um i still get nervous i mean i think it's it's very natural human behavior um you're meeting people you've never met before for the most part um, excuse me, you're, you have no idea what these people are going to ask you, you have no idea, like what they're looking for. So you may know everything, right? I got asked on a whim once, like, what's memoization, right? And I've used memoization, five times in my career, maybe, right? So you have to speak to it, right? And like, that's, that sort of stuff, like really ruffles your feathers, like, it's just a really high pressure, high stress situation. And, you know, depending on your scenario and your circumstance, like, it could be an extremely important thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, not to, to go too deep, but like, um, you know, being laid off, like I was during COVID, you know, I have to find a new job, right? Like, there is no like, I can wait it out, or mm-hmm. uh, I can, I can casually look while I have my job, and it, everything will be okay. It's like, you have no job, and you're not gonna have any income in two months. So You need to find something like that's super high pressure yeah so every every interview i had during that period of time was like 15 minutes of prep before of just like pumping myself up listening to music you know like reviewing every possible thing like you are these questions good enough is you know like what are they like trying to predict what they're going to ask and Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of books out there and things like that. I've read some of them and they're obviously helpful. They wouldn't be on store shelves and selling if they weren't. But, um, you know, really, it's it's almost down to like, you know, like you, you have no idea, right? Like in school, you had tests, like you could study for the test. You knew the content, you knew the material. Uh, these things you have no idea, right? And uh, so much of these interviews, especially when it was in person, is um, sort of that uh, first impression, right? And yeah. I, I forget where I read this, it was many years ago, but but it essentially, and I'm paraphrasing is like, within the first five minutes, I know whether or not I wanna hire this person. And it's purely <laughs> based on bias, right? Like you have no idea like in five minutes, whether or not like I'm capable of being technical or a good programmer or a good leader, But like, that's just human nature, right? So you have to make that good impression. You have to speak eloquently and and understand that, you know, some stuff and understand that you don't know and be honest. And, and, you know, I, I made a mistake, actually, and I can, I can kind of like, talk about this. Uh, I had competing offers going on, I was interviewing Mozilla. And I was like, Hey, you know, Mozilla's huge, they don't move very fast. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have an offer on the table. Uh, can you, can you guys, you know, move fast, uh, if possible? Cause this is exploding literally within two hours after the interview, I got the, you know, thank you for your time. You know, we appreciate everything, but at this time we're going to move on. I'm like, you know, I, I knew when I was saying it in the interview, like this is probably going to disqualify me mm. and it disqualified me. Mm. Even if I was the most qualified candidate, just by saying those few words disqualified me immediately. Um, so yeah it's super high pressure it's super high stress I get super nervous because I don't know everything and then you mm-hmm. know I, it's very much you know like you're just like uh, like people on the other side of the table you, I, I personally just constantly always feel judged yeah and some places like do it well like where like you don't feel that way and some places do it really poorly where it's just like they're completely silent and you're just like, did I say the right thing? Why aren't they talking? Why aren't they asking questions? Why do they have just stone look, you know? Um, so yeah, dude, I still get nervous just like anybody else. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's just human behavior or maybe some people are super confident and like they don't care or they, they're just like they know their stuff. Um, but like, I still get nervous. And I think a lot of it too, honestly, is as engineers, we suffer from imposter syndrome, right? Like this is Mm -hmm. a thing, you know, we're constantly, you know, pull requests. So our stuff is always in front of people. Uh, we have these interviews and like throwing, you know, homeworks together and stuff. And, and you just pairing, like all these ways of like having your work looked at and, 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 you know, essentially just like critical, review and, and mm-hmm. feedback all the time that like imposter syndrome's real. And I think, you know, even doing this stuff for as long as I've been doing it, like, I still think sometimes like, is this good enough to put up for PR? Sure. And you can just develop thick skin over time and take it as it comes and hope that there's learning there. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think another thing that people deal with during interviewing, especially for engineering roles is imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's a, uh, it's, primarily a negative feedback loop right even even this is a whole different issue but but PRs are the same way right where Think of how often you see 15 notes right, that are fix this, fix this, fix this. And maybe maybe you get one like, oh, this is good, right? But a lot of companies don't do that at all, right? It's just here's all the things you need to go fix, right? After you spend time and effort and sweat and maybe a little tears um, trying to write this code, right? Make it more dramatic than it is. But that's how it feels inside, right? Um, And interviewing is even worse because it's very... Very rare you get the congrats. We want to make you an offer, right? Even for people who I think are great interviewers, maybe you're betting 25%. Maybe, right? Um, and I I think that's it's just tough for a lot of people to hear no that often, especially early career. Like I think I've shared before. Um, you know, having been a recruiter for a long time, having worked at a coding boot camp and having a pretty big network in Chicago, and then, you know, a, decent amount of, of kind of runway. So I didn't feel like I was, I couldn't pay bills the next day. I was still, when I went to get my first engineering job, it felt like constantly, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is not, possible, right? Like this is too hard, right? Even though I know I'd been on the other side of the table telling people who just graduated from boot camp, no, it's, you know, it's, you got to apply. you got It's almost a numbers game to a certain extent. And even knowing all of that, right, it was still difficult to get my head um, in that space sometimes at the end of the day, right? And if I had all of those things on my side, I can't even imagine if, you know, you didn't have that much proof um, already in your head to try to get through it. So it's not, Not easy,
0: that's for sure. No, it's not. And I love that um, negative feedback loop because if you think about interviewing, right? Like say I interview at 10 places, the odds that you get 10 out of 10 offers are probably less than 5%, Yeah, right? So you're constantly getting rejected for whatever reason, right? And like, it's really hard to like maintain a positive attitude when one after the other is rejection. And that rejection could be you're not good enough for the role. It could be you're just not the right person, there's a lot of cases now where like the diversity, like the pool has to be super diverse. So like, there's a lot of time to make sure that they've, they've covered all the DEI stats that they want to do. And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, like a lot of um, like a, one of my most dearest mentors in the whole world sort of likens it to dating, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, you are you know, you, you get rejected way more often than you get accepted. And that's really difficult to deal with because, you know, for me anyway, like, I think, what did I do wrong, you know? And, you know, thank God, like I have like, you know, my wife who, who's like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, it's just not the right fit. And like, it helps to have like sort of outside perspective like that. But yeah, damn, it's negative feedback loop. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, like all over all the time. Your homework isn't good enough or, you know, whatever. You know, like those rejection emails that you get, and you, especially when it's someplace that you really wanna be, yeah. Those hurt the most. Like that Mozilla one, even though I had an offer and I, I had a job, like I could just accept the offer. Really, like the the I think I was interviewing for something like director of engineering for web futures. And I was like, this is like literally the job of my dreams, right? Like sure. working at Mozilla, defining what the web is gonna be. Holy crap, like that's amazing, right? Uh, and then I'm like, oh man, I should have never said that. I felt really sad. But hey, you know, in the end, you know, it all works out and, and, you know, you, you find the right place and hopefully you stay there for a while. You know, Rocket was that place for me. Uh, and, and Balto's looking like that place for the next five years for me too. So I think yeah. it all works out in the end, brought up the universe quite a bit, but um, that's sort of how I feel.
1: That's great. So on on the other side of the table, you know, having um, been a manager director in the past, and and I don't know if you're you're starting to interview folks now for Balto yet or not. But what are you typically evaluating for when you are interviewing someone for your team?
0: Sure. So um, for me, it's culture fit. Uh, I'm pretty confident. Like depending on the role, right? There's all these different levels: junior, mid, senior, whatever. Staff, principal. Uh, for me as a manager at director level, I'm looking for culture fit. Like, are you going to be, uh, like, how are you going to deal with that negative feedback loop? You know, like if if the product owner comes in and changes the, the requirements on you halfway through the sprint, uh, if you put your code up, uh, for PR and, uh, you know, somebody gives you negative feedback, you know, like this isn't good or whatever. Hopefully people aren't saying stuff like that, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Um, I, you know, obviously there's technical acumen, but the way I always approach this stuff and again, find mentors in your life who can provide you guidance and, and, and good ideas. Um, I had somebody tell me this before, uh, and I, it stuck with me for, for so many years now. And that's, um, I can probably teach you how to be a better engineer. I can, I can most likely probably grow you into a leader. I cannot teach you how to not be an asshole. Hmm. And that's why I think culture is king. You know, like I, the team, the company, the organization can make you a better engineer. Like we'll invest in you and, and all that. But like you come in here and your toxic attitude, you poison the well, you're a brilliant jerk. Like that stuff just doesn't fly. And um, that's what I'm looking for. And of course, like I said, technical acumen, but um, usually, you know, like, I I sort of delegate that to the experts, which is like, you know, my engineers, uh, the guys who are writing code, guys and girls, folks writing code every day. Um, Like you said, right. Like some managers don't code at all. And, you know, for, for many years, like the past four or five years, I've been coding less and less. So Mm -hmm. um, it's not really fair for me to like go in there and be like, Hey, what is memoization or, you know, whatever, you know, like, tell me all the data structures you've used in your career and stuff like that. It's uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. I want to like, I've, are you a good person? <laughs> yeah. I love when I've started at
1: jobs in the past where, you know, you talk to the director the CTO or somebody, right. And you mentioned something um, that happens in the texting and they go, Oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, I sure. I'll tell you what, what vagrant is or whatever this, this specific thing we're using. They're like, I don't even know. Right. The engineers are <laughs> the ones handling that. Right it's always fun um that, that, that's that's great that's good to know and i think that's that's um a lot of people are concerned right and i talk to a lot of job seekers still who are like oh i've got this call coming up with the director or the manager or like what am i supposed to do like how am i do i need to prep for this and i tell them most of the time those calls are kind of two things it's it's to make sure that there's an actual culture fit or culture ad right so like um just you know, don't take your shirt off and run around screaming on the call, and and uh, you know that that's going to be a big win for you. And then, too often, those are selling calls too. But you know, someone in in your position, if you're excited about the the candidate or the candidate's got good feedback, you know, you're trying to also tell them the good things about the company, right? So it's almost a a great opportunity to to dig some more into stuff that you might not have a ton of information on, right? In those calls.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point too. Selling the role, selling the company, um, selling the objectives of the business. Some, sometimes selling the technology, all those things too, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a standardized
1: system you use to do uh, interviews or does it change depending on the role and the and the person and the company?
0: Or Great question. So uh, in the past, at Rocket, when I was doing a lot of phone screens, I had uh, one, one problem I would give uh, to every candidate uh, and it was essentially like technical depth. Uh, you could use whatever coding language you wanted. Uh, and but the the whole thing was like, in order to get to the next state, which was homework, you have to, you have to get to the right answer, regardless of if you do O N squared, you know, or you figure out how to do O of one, whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, you have to get to the answer. So that was like the standard, I wanted everybody to always take the same like have the same experience with me on the phone. Uh, so there was no surprises, right? It would, the, the, the problem never changed. Uh, it was always the same. It was always, you know, find a duplicate and array. Uh, when it comes to like sitting down face-to-face with, with people, um, you know, if there's multiple people, like say I have five junior level engineers that I'm going to be interviewing, like I keep the question set the exact same. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I want uh I want, you know, consistency across the board, right? You know, five different people answering this question this way, uh, versus having a bunch of randomization. Uh and then it's definitely specific to role. So, you know, junior level, I'm not gonna be quite as difficult. I, I don't do a ton of technical in this scenario anymore, but I used to do architecture at rocket. So um, you know, like. I sort of tailored everything to, to that, Um, you know, their level Um, at places where I've like interviewed product owners or um, you know, maybe QA engineers, it's, it's obviously different uh, where I'm coming from, you know, with product owners, it's more like, what's the relationship with the engineering management and leadership Uh, you know, how do you, you know, Milestone, how are we going to manage the technical debt backlog, you know, how do we create a, you know, safe space for ideation, Mm -hmm. you know, give me some use cases in the past where, you know, you've had to blow up a sprint and, you know, how did you handle that with the team? Uh, how did you handle that with the, you know, scrum master, if you have that, um, and then QA is like, uh, you know, quality assurance, you know, like how do you make sure that bugs don't escape? What's the regression cycle look like? Um, you know, do you do test automation? You know, what, what frameworks and languages do you like to use things like that? So, yeah, I think you tailor it to not only specific role, but also specific level. At least I do. um and and typically when it's super technical like i used to do technical deep dive on javascript uh i would start out easy for everybody like the same sort of steps but understanding that there's probably going to be a lower ceiling for junior level than there is for senior level and then sort of tailoring as you go uh to to sort of what is the ceiling you know like are you are you outperforming junior level well great maybe maybe i get you in as a mid then and you get more money and more responsibility and more accountability and all that. Um, And maybe you're, you say you're coming for the senior and like your ceiling isn't even close to what I'm, what I'm thinking a senior level engineer should be at. So, you know, maybe, but maybe you're a great person and we'd love to bring you on anyway. Maybe we can get you to senior level, right? So it's all that sort of like, I don't know, you know, it's weird. Like there's obviously candidates who come in and you're like, nah, like it just doesn't work out. You don't have the skill, the technical acumen, the experience, whatever. But then there's those guys who like, those folks who come in that you're like man this guy would be a great fit but he's just not right at senior level right yeah mm, or he's yeah. he's really green right out of boot camp and those are the harder conversations in my opinion uh, where you're like i i i really want this person on my team i think i can grow them to be great and sometimes you take a risk and i mean i've taken that risk 5 10 15 times in my career and almost every time i've been uh really happy with that decision so
1: yeah nice that's great i think that's maybe um uh a hopeful link for someone to hear right at their early career especially it's something that often feels like you're banging your head against the wall and hoping the wall breaks before your your skull does. Right. But I, I tell folks, you're usually looking for, you know, someone who recognizes something in you, some potential, and that's why they're hiring. They're not really hiring you for your technical skills day one, especially if you're early career, like your skills, 3 months and a year from from when you start are going to be drastically different than, than what you had day 1 right so they really hiring you potential in the person they think you are right so mm-hmm. i'm trying to get that out as much in interviews i feel like that's difficult for some people but trying to ex- express that and show that in interviews does does go a long way right and you're not going to jive well with everyone right but you just find you need the one person right who's going to take a chance on you you don't not everyone's going to so
0: exactly you know and i think Sort of, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's an investment. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like we invest in people, right? It's super expensive uh, to lose people. It's extremely expensive to fire people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're taking our time looking at a lot of different criteria. It's not just how how fast you can produce a Git commit uh, because we're gonna pay you a lot of money to do things that are gonna help the organization to be successful. We want you to provide value. And like you said, like we wanna invest in you. We wanna make you, you know, junior engineer to mid-level engineer to senior level engineer. I add Rocket, my business, honestly, like literally when I was talking to the CTO was um, invest in leaders. Like how do we grow the next set of leaders uh, for Rocket? And then that was a a big part of my focus was like, how do we get, uh, how do we grow leaders? Um, so yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, it's very easy to like stay in the, in the like near term and not think, you know, zoom out like 50,000 feet and understand, um, like really what we're doing, uh, as an organization is investing in human beings. Um, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Well, back on the other side of the table,
1: um, when you're in an interview as, as you know, the interviewee, and basically you've been given some type of question, maybe a technical question where, where you don't immediately have a solution, right? Do you have any type of system you use to, to break down that question into something that you can actually start
0: um, working on or approach? Yeah, it's a good question. Let me think. Um, usually if it's something that I don't understand, I'll just ask for clarity. I have found, and, and even being on the other side of the table, as we talked about, like, ask questions. Holy crap, I can't even begin to, like, I love when people ask questions. I love, uh, you know, like, the the confidence that you can't ask a question, right? I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the time, especially as engineers, we're afraid of asking questions. Like, it's some, some sign of... um uh of like you being not good or um weakness right if if i ask this question to my boss or you know my my you know tech lead like they're going to think lesser of me type stuff so ask questions holy crap like if anybody docks you for asking questions in an interview you don't want to work there trust yeah. me um so uh you, so i ask for clarity Um, and I think that's, that's a really important thing. Just ask for clarity. If you don't understand something, uh, I will also, depending on how I'm feeling, ask if it's okay to Google stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know every single possible method on arrays. Uh, you know, I, I confuse filter and find and some and what's available and all these things. Right. So, uh, you know, ask for that stuff, you know, um, Then, you know, like it depends on the question. It's hard with no reference to a question, but like break it down, right? What's the easiest way I can get there, right? Oh, so Mm -hmm. this is actually a good thing. So that that technical question I was talking about, find a duplicate and array. Uh, If you think you can get to an answer by doing the brute force method, do it, Mm -hmm. right? You can, like anything we do in this industry is all iterations, right? Like that's agile. Get something out in front of your customers, make it better later. Uh, And I love iterations process like I'm a huge fan of iteration so I would say that's one thing I do is like okay I don't know how to get this the most pristine perfect solution but I think I can do it brute force Mm -hmm. and just be honest and say that's what you're doing hey I'm going to try to get this working this way and as you go along like hopefully the the person on the other side of the table the the interviewer is is helping you to understand oh actually you could do this and it would be better or Mm -hmm. Hey, have you thought of this? Like, what happens if this value is null? You know, like, and you want that dialogue. You want to to feel like you've engaged the interviewer. Um, So that's sort of what I do. Um, You know, ask questions for clarity. Uh, Ask ask if it's okay to Google some stuff. Usually, I mean, that's what we do, right? There's no secret here, right? I've Googled my whole life. You know, I've gotten really good at it. I read Stack Overflow all the time. I just helped a guy yesterday. Um, on some scrolling stuff. And like, cause I didn't, I didn't know everything. So I, I looked at Stack Overflow. Um, and then, you know, lastly, you know, like try to get to a solution, even if it's brute force and just be honest about it. You know, mm. Hey, I don't know the most, the, the best way to do this, but uh, I'm going to try to get it done. And then maybe we can refine it and iterate it on later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially that, that third um, note. A lot of people think like, if I don't, I if I don't optimize this right away, right, they're going to say, oh, I didn't, uh, you know, he had some brute force solution. That's fine, right? At least you had a solution. A solution is better than than no solution, right? Because if the feedback is, well, got to a solution, it was brute force, and then we started iterating on it. Okay. If the solution was, or if the the feedback is, I tried really hard to to find some type of approach, but didn't get through the problem, right? Which one do you think of those is more appealing, right? Yeah. um, That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you have any other advice or tips for engineers who are going into technical interviews? Hmm.
0: I think just be positive. You know, like don't don't badmouth your previous gig. Um, try to focus on the things that you did well. You know, um, and uh, this is like the one time I think your one opportunity to really sell yourself. I'm not a huge fan of eye language uh, especially being in leadership, it's really frowned upon. Uh, it was very difficult for me to get out of that state of mind, but I think interviews are the one time where I language is the best part. And that is like, find the accolades, find the things that you've done. Um, not everything also we do is technical, right? We're not, I don't come home every day or, you know, leave work for the day we're remote now. So, uh, you know, and then go code again. Right. Like I have interests outside of this. So like bring that stuff up too. That's hmm. then, you know, who who knows, man, you might find that person who loves baseball just as much as you. And now you've made a connection and that will matter. Like it will matter. Like, um, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get a job because you found somebody who likes baseball like you, but you've created a connection, uh, that's outside of just work, um, outside of just banging on the keys. Um, take your time. Uh, there's no rush. Uh, you know, like this stuff is super important for you. It's super important for the people on the on the other side. Uh, They're taking time. These things are extremely expensive for organizations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking to CTOs, directors, managers, four or five different engineers, uh, probably a technical recruiter at some point. And depending on the organization, you might talk to the CEO or depending on the role, you might talk to the entire executive leadership team, like that's a very expensive amount of time. So be mindful, be respectful of that. Uh, take your time. Um, and I would, you know, I said, be honest. Did I say be honest? I think I did. Um, Yeah. no, I didn't, uh, be honest, right? Like if you don't know something, don't try to like, you know, figure it out, you know, Google real fast. Uh, just be honest. I don't know. What is it? You tell me, you know, like, and sometimes that's nice. I liked that personally because I always viewed interviews as being a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I can learn from you, and and you can learn from me. And I try to make my all of the interview processes I have extremely comfortable because you know, they're very uncomfortable, right? Um, so that's another thing I think is just be honest. Hey, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Can you can you help me to learn? Uh, and I think that shows like a, a, a like a willingness to not only be vulnerable but also an eagerness to like get better at what you do every day. Um, So yeah, I mean, there's probably five other things I could think of, but uh, those are the the keys to me. That's what I always try to do when I'm in an interview. And that's what I'm looking for on the other side too is is all of those things.
1: Yeah, that's great. Would your advice be the same for early career folks or
0: would you have different advice for people who are maybe this is their first job or kind of second job? Uh, Yeah, I think it all applies to everybody. You know, like, um, you know, if you're coming right out of school, Um, hopefully they've tailored the interview to, to, to like be that way. There can't be an expectation that you're coming out of school and you know everything. Mm. And for, for somebody coming right out of school, really difficult stuff, you know, just like, I would just say, try to be as relaxed as you can. I know it's really hard and it's, you're really passionate and you really want, um, all, all the jobs and, and, you know, like this is your opportunity to really, make good on your college degree or, or your, your time spent, uh, learning these skills. Um, just understand that, like, again, you're going to have 10 interviews, eight out of those 10, they're not going to hire you. And it's really difficult. It's still hard for me to this day. Uh, but if you can get in a mindset where you're like, I can take that frustration and, and, and turn it into a positive thing and understand where I need to get better you're going to be in such a better place, uh, further down the road. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think my advice is pretty much the same, you know?
1: Yeah. Almost like being able to, again, it's very easy to say hard to do, like mentally, especially early career. If you can like write off the first couple, right? Like I know the first three are going to go terribly. Right. And then you, Get an understanding. Oh, this is how I need to an interview, and the types of things I need to say, right? And even you know, if you're more tenured in your career, but you're you haven't interviewed, you know, if it's been four or five years since you interviewed. Even just the personality questions, right? When people ask you, you realize like, Ooh, probably shouldn't have said that, right? The first couple yeah. times <laughs> you, you go through it, and then you go, all right, well, this is how I change that story a little bit so it sounds more positive than how I was telling it before, right? And it's stuff just comes from practice, right? And you, you don't get that without maybe messing up a couple times, or at least. Maybe not, it doesn't go horribly, but you stumble through it, right? And then
0: you can polish it a little bit. Absolutely. Can I add one more thing to my my recommendation? Take notes. Yeah. Take notes. Know, Know who you've talked to, know what you've talked about. Ask everybody questions and write down their answers. The worst thing you can find is you ask a question of like, how often do you guys have production issues? And somebody says, oh, never. But that never happens. Then you ask the next person that same question. They're like every damn day. And then you're like, what's the disconnect here? Mm-hmm. Does that mean one person's on these all the time? You know, things like that. So take notes, know who you've talked to ask great questions. Um, don't ever at the end of an interview and somebody says, do you have any questions for me? Say, nah, I'm good. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that's like the major red flag. If somebody does that to me, it's almost guaranteed. You're not moving on. Yeah. It shows me that you're not interested, right? It shows me like you didn't take any time to prepare that you have to have a question, even if it's just, what's the culture like, or what do you like working about here or what's your day? Like, you know, like those are really easy questions. They don't have to be super complicated things. Um, but yeah, that's to leave those off. I think would be a bad, bad thing. Ask questions, take notes, know who you talk to.
1: Yeah. If you're going to spend 40 plus hours a week at a job, you know, for, uh, at least hopefully the next year plus, it's probably, it's gotta be something else you're wondering about, right? Right. I think sometimes people are worried about asking questions that might be too, I don't know, invasive or something, but you can ask about pretty much anything. And some companies will tell you if they don't want, you know, so like, ah, we we can't tell you that right now. But, um, then a lot of people, especially financial stuff, if it's a small company, right. They don't want to ask about it. And I'm like, Well when are you gonna ask? Right? Week one when you you started and you're like, Hey, do we have runway? And they're like, Yeah, till next week, right? (laughs) Better work (laughs) fast. Right. So those are the types of things you you gotta ask, or else else no one's gonna tell you unless you ask them, right? So yeah. Uh great. Well, before we um take a break here and then moving to the technical portion, um any interviewing horror stories, you know, from either side of the table you're willing to share?
0: Oh boy. Yeah, I have a couple from from both sides of the table. Uh, we'll start as interviewee because it's putting myself in the light, and I, I alluded to this actually uh, earlier. Uh, interviewed for a company for a director level job. Uh, they were like, "Great, you know, we need you to take this four hour test," and I was like, four hour test, okay? Yeah, we have every candidate who's in tech." Do it okay fine uh but it was four hours of uninterrupted time is what they wanted right it was like yeah. going into one of those um i keep saying hacker rank i don't i don't know but i forget all the. there's a bunch of them uh yeah. you would go in it would be like the airport problem and you know you you get your code submitted and then you run it and then it's like all the tests failed type stuff So, you know, I told them, I was like, hey, you know, I'm a dad, I got two kids, like there's really no interrupted, uninterrupted time for me. Um, Didn't matter to them. So and it's fine. So I did it, uh, failed it miserably. Uh, You know, like, I got up at like 4am to do it. And like clockwork, my daughter was up at five bothering me for whatever. Um, And at the end of that, I was just like, you know what, I don't care. Like, fine whatever, like I failed it. And it, it 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 didn't feel good. You know, I felt like I had been doing this stuff for so long, I should know this stuff. But then at the I also thought, like, these trick problems, don't, this is not conducive to what I do every day, right? Like, I'm not telling people to figure out how to do air traffic control, or, you know, re implement Dijkstra's algorithm and stuff like and, you know, the Fisher Yates shuffle. And like, that stuff is bullshit to me. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel super bad, but I did feel like I failed, like I failed a test or something. Um, so that's like one horror story uh, from the interviewee side. Uh, from the interviewer side, uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of them. I've interviewed a lot of people. So the worst interviews, though, to me are the ones where people don't ask questions uh or are just oh I can give you one I had a guy come in once who you know we were doing like a pairing exercise type thing and he was just such a sh- sh- like show off right like i'm going to use vim i hope you're cool with that type stuff and like try to like really stell me on like this his skills in vim and and all this stuff and i didn't, it was the brilliant jerk right it was like totally like ugh, just gross you know like can this get over any quicker? Um, but, but that's like, you know, like I think there's just a lot of different things scattered about on the interviewer side. Um, and you see so many people when you're an interviewer, like I can't pigeonhole a thing versus like being on the interviewee side. Like you think about these things all the time because like the next interview I have, I don't want to do them again. You know, I don't want to do that same thing. Um, so, so that's like, sort of my, like, I don't really have any interviewer horror stories. Like I've never had any, come, anyone come in in tattered clothes or, you know, like anything like that, uh, start swearing at me or anything like that. Um, but there's been like little things that have happened. Like that guy who came in, is like, I'm going to work in Vim. I hope you're cool with that. I'm like, I don't give a shit what you work in, honestly. Like, <laughs> and you do the problem. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah. Got it. Hey, when I when I think about asking anyone for four hours of uninterrupted time is is my even the what I used to do, I mean, even two hour coding assignments, I would be like, all right, can everyone be quiet? Like I gotta lock in, you know, because if I don't get this one thing, like if I don't immediately know what they're talking about, and I have to do any amount of research, there goes half my time. (laughs) Right? Like, like, all right. And then you get an hour and a half into it and you know there's no way you're going to finish it and you go I just wasted an hour and I could have watched I could have watched The Godfather you know I could watch a good movie <laughs> in this time period and it's got to be uh, to to be wasted so I hear you uh all right well let's take a, a quick break and then when we come back we will move into the technical portion okay sounds great Thank you for watching
0: the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode. So be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple podcast or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.